Welcome to Monsters Among Us. I am your guide, Derek Hayes. Welcome one and welcome all. Step right up. Don't push, pull, or jostle. Live, up front, and in person. Blood curdling and blood draining. Yell chupacabra. Share the very air with a winged creature, the likes of which have never been seen. And feast your eyes, if you dare, on a beast so hideous it is yet to be given a name. And right now, over in the main tent, gaze in wild wonder at the bewildering wild man of Kentucky. This would be Crystal Submission from the Bluegrass State. Hi, Derek. My name is Crystal, and I am from eastern Kentucky, a small town called Grayson, Kentucky. I just recently started listening to podcasts, period, and my dad had told me about your podcast, and... After listening to a few episodes, I decided I would go ahead and call him with a story. So I do believe in Bigfoot and everything. I obviously wouldn't be listening to the podcast if not. Um, I believe in ghosts, had many experiences. In 2012, I took my kids to a state park a little bit away from us over Cave Run, over that way. And what we would do about every weekend is we would find a state park close to us and go explore the state park, check out stuff. And um, my son at the time was 15, his brother 14, and my daughter was 8. And then I had my younger daughter with me at the time who was about 3. We loved finding trails and looking at historic stuff. Well, I had went. On past K Run, and I believe it's National Boom Forest, but I might be wrong. I should know that, but I don't. But it's over by K Run. You can find trails and picnic areas and all kinds of stuff. Well, we found an area I had never seen before. And when you go back that way, there's an old iron furnace and things like that you can look at. We went to a few places up and down through there, a few trails, didn't see anything interesting. We stopped at one little picnic area we had seen that was kind of back off in a clearing by itself but surrounded by woods. And we sat there and ate our lunch and looked over and happened to notice a trail that you could walk on. And we said, nice, we're going to go walk the trail. So my son was like my, you know, he was at my side for everything, my oldest one. He was always up for it, and we kind of had to drag the others along. So we start walking the trail, and... When we got, I don't know, it wasn't very far up the trail. I'm going to say quarter of a mile. I don't know how long the trail was. Um, we noticed a bush, a huge bush, probably, I don't know, five and a half, six foot tall, and every bit of eight foot wide. 
this bush had been literally picked up out of the ground from a ways. You could see the hole in the ground where it had been picked up from its roots and sat on the path. You couldn't get around it without going into the brush and the woods and stuff. With the ticks and things, of course, we didn't want to go into the brush. So I, me and my son both looked at it, and I thought, well, that's really strange. How in the world did somebody pick that up and move it? Well, a person didn't pick it up and move it. So um, about that time, we heard like what sounded like limbs crunching a good ways away from It's not real far, but, you know, good ways away. And me and my son kind of laughed it off and said, it's Bigfoot, you know, um, being silly. And I told him to do the three knocks on the tree that we've seen on TV. Well, he did the three knocks on the tree and something knocked back. And it was enough to freak me out. And I thought, somebody is totally messing with us. And then as I was, like, walking on up toward the bush, like, I got the most eerie feeling. Uh, It was terrifying. I was terrified. It felt like somebody was almost breathing on me. I told my younger son, I said, take your sisters and go on back to the car. And I told my older son, I said, there's something out here. I feel it. And we went to turn to leave, and I heard the crunching of the limbs again. And on the crunching of the limbs, I turned back around to look. And when I did, there was a big tree on beyond the bush we had seen. And something dark, a big dark figure. Back then, I still had perfect eyesight. Now, I couldn't see it for anything. But then, I had perfect eyesight. And it was a dark figure, but it was hairy. And you could smell the god-awful smell we assumed was something dead. And we had smelled it a ways before we ever got onto that picnic table. But when I looked back, I seen that figure, and it looked at me, looked right at me. And it wasn't like the whole figure. I would say maybe a quarter, like right on the edge of where I would be over. And it ducked in behind the tree real fast. Well, it scared the living daylights out of me uh, because I had my kids with me. And I knew at this point what it was because this was a massive tree. And this thing was way up on the tree. It couldn't have been a man or anything like that. It was way too big for a man. My son is six foot six, and it would have towered over my son. I told my other son, who was already ushering my girls out of the trail, get the girls and go. Now, y'all hurry up. It's getting dark. I didn't want to scare them. And I told my son, I swear, I just freaking seen a Sasquatch. I seen Bigfoot. I'm not even kidding you. I'm not trying to scare you. And I showed him the tree as I was telling him, come on, let's go. Well, as I told him and we turned around and pointed at the tree and looked, it went from that tree to the other just in one stride. And we was gone. I said, that's it. We took off. We were gone. I rushed to the car, jumped in the car, took off out of there, um, seen some other weird things that day that we probably assumed were something because we've seen that Bigfoot. I believe 100% that was Bigfoot. It did scare the bejesus out of me and my kids. I've since been back, though, to try to find that same little spot because I wanted to see. We were going to go camp there because I'm always looking for that kind of stuff. And I have never been able to make my way back to that same spot we were at. I don't think that's because of anything supernatural. I think it's just because I wasn't paying attention to where we were at that day. Um, I do know it was close to an iron furnace, a little historic spot that had a sign you could read on. It had a little shelter area, and it was that past Cabron Lake in uh, Moorhead, Kentucky, or on the other side of Moorhead, Kentucky. 
we have lots of sightings over this way, so I 100% believe that's what it was. Thanks for having this set up for people to tell their stories. Have a good day. Thank you. Thank you, Crystal. There are a few elements to Crystal's story that jogged a memory in my brain. Now, as part of the show, Cryptocrate and the TV appearances, I feel it necessary to watch as much paranormal television as possible, as much as that pains me. And it's probably going to stay that way, at least until someone invents the Paranormal News Network. Well, in doing this, I've recently watched a majority of the Finding Bigfoot series. And I remember seeing a crossover episode with a now-infamous character, whom also hails from the state of Kentucky. Not only that, but he mentioned something in his encounter that Crystal also mentioned. Let's see if you can catch it. Everywhere we went, we were always hearing about Ernie the Turtle Man. And everybody says, nobody knows the Kentucky woods better than you. I figure you have to have some Bigfoot stories. Oh, yeah. I got one big story. I was a little kid at one time when I was nine years old. I loved squirrel hunting, so I went out in the woods. I was going to my favorite hickory nut tree. I got about halfway there. And this thing roars out at me. It's like, roar! Down on the ground, I just, boom, shot towards where I thought it would be at. And this is when it started breaking these tree limbs and pulling them up by the root, these little saplings, and throwing them at how, how big were they? About the size of this stick. You know, that's a pretty good-sized piece of wood. You can't pull it up out of the ground. I stood up this time. And I said, I'm serious. I'm going to shoot. I'm going to shoot you. I am going to shoot you. And it roared out again. And that's when I shot. So I'll probably hit it in the kneecaps or somewhere around the feet. That clip comes courtesy of Animal Planet, and a link to the entire clip can be found in tonight's show notes. So did you catch it? The Turtle Man's creature pulled saplings about two inches in diameter from the ground and threw them at him. Now Crystal described the creature throwing trees and shrubs into the pathway. And I don't have to mention that both stories came from the state of Kentucky. Now, of course, this does nothing to prove or disprove either sighting, but I thought it was interesting that both stories originated from Kentucky and shared that strange, specific detail. I should add that the Animal Planet clip goes on to say that the Turtle Man managed to collect some hair, which was tested and, according to the program, returned as unknown primate, which I believe simply means uncatalogued. So thank you, Crystal, for sharing that story. It almost makes me wonder if there's not a rogue Sasquatch somehow hanging on in the bluegrass state. Okay, so maybe freak shows aren't your thing. What would you say to a little spirit communication? The following was submitted by Claudine. Good morning. I want to say congratulations first on your wedding. That's great. My name is Claudine. I'm from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. This started or actually happened back in, my gosh, 1990. I had a dog, his name was Raz, and he was my baby. Unfortunately, he had gotten too old and we had to put him down and I had borrowed the neighbor's shovel from across the street. And when we put our dog down, he kind of knew that it was coming. But it didn't make it any easier. So as I was walking back across the street, bawling my eyes out, I, um, I, I got this gust of information. And it was 
basically like, I didn't hear it. I heard it in my mind, if that's the best way I can explain. This is also um, in response to 2018, a FedEx driver that heard a voice that saved him. This is what inspired me to make this phone call. But anyhow, as I was walking across the street, I, I, I got this information and it was a male voice, very calm, very soothing. And it said to me, basically, don't be sad. You know, I'm okay. I'm here. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to watch out over you. And I stopped in the middle of the road and wiped my eyes and kind of took a second to take in what just happened. And I actually looked around to see if anybody was around me saying this. And I thought, oh, my God, (laughs) I think I just heard my dog, which is strange, but so I returned the shovel and I went back inside and I told my mother what had happened. And well, anyways, years later, as I had my oldest son back in 1999, I was feeding him in bed and I had fallen asleep and I woke up thinking, Oh my God, I crushed my child. And I was in a panic and I heard this voice that said, don't worry, he's okay. And it was the same voice that I heard when, you know, my dog had passed, I actually woke my husband up and he had this groggy, horrible voice <laughs> that I uh, that I knew this is not who had said he's okay. It's the calming, it's soothing sort of, I can't even explain it. It's in your mind. It's not in your ears. And I thought, I really do have a, like a male angel. Whether it's my dog, I don't know, but it, it makes me feel better to think that's what it is. But, well, thank you. This was my first time calling. Love the show and doing a great job. Congrats again. Thanks. Bye. Thank you, Claudine. I've heard it discussed many times. The theory that the recently deceased, especially those that died tragically, have a small window in which they're permitted or able to return to deliver a brief message. As silly as it sounds, it's happened to a lot of people. In fact, it's happened to me, twice. In the weeks following both my grandmother and my brother's deaths, I was visited by each in a dream. They both delivered messages that were strangely on point, and included information that I don't think I could have even imagined. Could it be that my mind was using any technique it could, to limit my suffering? Or were they somehow able to, like Claudine's dog, communicate from beyond? Thank you again, Claudine, for this heartwarming little submission. Now, before I play our next call, I need you to think back to last week's episode. On that Halloween special, you may remember an anonymously submitted call that discussed the weird goings-on at Corshawn State Park in Florida. Well, I just happened to catch this brand new call that elaborates on the strange activity that takes place there. This would be Rhonda's call. Hey, Derek and Sarah, Addie, and all of us amongsters. This is Rhonda Kitchen. I've called in before and I regularly, or at least try to regularly, submit to the fan page and interact on the fan page with everybody. So, hi, guys. I was just listening to the Halloween episode about 
the outdoor stuff, and I completely forgot until the guy called about Correction State Park. I have had a couple different paranormal instances that happened there. One, I will never forget because I ended up having to have surgery afterwards. My ex-husband and our very young son at the time were, we had gone over to the state park and it's always kind of had a local, like creepy kind of atmosphere. And everybody kind of knows about the cult and everything. And um, I'm going to go ahead and post in the official discussion thread um, a link regarding it. Because no matter if the state wants it to remain not creepy or not, um, it is. It, it, you can just feel it. When you walk onto the property, you can just feel it. And this particular day... Again, like this gentleman, he had gone over when it was a really nice day out. You don't get many of those in Florida. And um, we had gone over there. We had taken our eldest son, and we were just kind of walking around, walking over the bridge, that kind of thing. This was in the, um, I'm going to say, mid-90s. And we were just walking around, just kind of looking at nature, seeing the different birds and things of that nature. And I turned around to see where my son had gone and he had been right there with, with me and his father and he was right there, but just beyond him by about, I don't know, maybe 10 feet, I could literally see some people just walking around. They didn't interact with any of us. And there were other people at the state park in the same vicinity that we were in. And I said, I looked at my ex-husband and I said, do you see that? And he just stood there, just transfixed. His mouth was kind of a little open, like, holy crap. He just looks at me and he nods and he goes, yeah. He goes, are you seeing it? I said, yeah. So then it just kind of faded. We just looked at each other and when we looked back, they were everything was gone and it was back the way it was. Well, continuing that outing, there are also mounds that are reputed to be burial mounds. I don't know if they're Indian burial grounds or if they were things from this group, but you go over there and it almost feels magnetic. It almost feels like something's almost pulling you kind of a thing. It's hard to describe. Like you just feel like a, an energy, almost like an energy field. And it like, my my son at the time was, of course, he was young, three, four years old, and he wanted to run up on them because you're a child, you see a hill, that's what you want to do. And I scooped him up and I was like, no, 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 because I had no idea. That's how strong the energy was there. I had no idea what was going to happen to him. So we just continued walking around. Nothing else happened at that visit. So a few weeks later, we had gone back over there, and this time we had gone without my, my son. And we just were kind of like, did we really see what we thought we saw? We took a couple friends with us, and we were walking around, like, some of the structures and where you can see where the structures are or where they had been. Local lore is that these people who started this cult that followed the doctor, I believe it was from New York, they believed that he was immortal, that for the lack of a better word, that he was 
the next coming, that he was a messiah. They believed he was immortal. That all kind of went out the window when he passed away, and then ultimately they all did too, and I believe the cult broke up after that. But there are still a lot of historical background there. And as we're walking around the the buildings and the foundations, my the middle of my torso just started to burn in the front. And then all of a sudden, it, it was just like encompassing my entire torso, like my rib cage. And I was in a lot of pain. I said to my then husband, I said, we need to go. I was like, there's something really wrong. I was like, um, I don't know what's going on. And I literally went down to my knees. The pain was so bad. Whether this was a coincidence or whether it was caused by some sort of energy or something that didn't like us there, I do not know. To this day, it's still a mystery and it's still debated between my ex-husband and I. But I ended up having to have surgery to have my gallbladder removed. Yeah, I know it's kind of personal, but whatever. And I had not had any problems whatsoever before this. Now, mind you, I wasn't, I don't even think I was 25 at the time that this happened. So I was a fairly healthy young mom, you know, just kind of running around with her kids trying, you know, how we do. And all of a sudden my gallbladder needs to come out. So the doctors kind of thought that was a little strange. It wasn't disease. There was nothing going on. And my first symptoms and the pain first started when I was there. Coincidence? I don't know. But I do know that that place is pretty spooky. I will not go there at night. I wouldn't go there at night, even if you dared me. Well, maybe if you dared me, I might do that. But I I won't go there um, anymore. I, I like to keep um, the rest of my organs intact. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So love the show. And uh, don't worry, guys. I'm driving much safer and much slower. So, bye. Love you all. Bye. Thank you, Rhonda. This sounds like the sort of place that should attract some ghost hunters. Hopefully we can get some local investigators in there. Maybe see if we can capture some footage. This certainly sounds like this area is a hot spot and is currently highly active. So thank you again, Rhonda, for the follow-up. Now we're going to switch gears completely for this next entry. The following was submitted anonymously from the state of Kansas. It was about six or seven years ago. I just got out of my car, not behind my windshield, but I just got out of my car, and I was smoking a cigarette outside the apartment complex, and suddenly a bright flash of light happened. A bright flash of light, which I thought was lightning. And I look up, and in the sky, a streak of blue and white light that cascaded across the entire atmosphere, the entire skyline, straight above me, a blue streak of light. And I blinked a few times. I looked away. I didn't know what I had seen, what it was. And I looked back up, and that streak is still there. And it slowly faded away into the night sky. And I said to myself, did I just see a UFO? Or did a UFO just fly by? I don't know. All I know is it was really weird. It was scary, and I was totally sober. This happened in Lawrence, Kansas, about 
six or seven years ago. Can't remember exactly when. That was in summertime. It was in summertime. That was the scariest thing I'd seen up to that point. Other than psychic phenomena. You ever had dreams of the future? I have. Thank you, caller. There are so many different, naturally occurring possibilities in the night sky that it's hard to pin this one down. On the surface, it sounds like a meteor with a burning trail, but that's also because there's not much to go from. Our caller's experience was so brief, there was likely no time to absorb many of the details, which makes me wonder, they have dash cams for cars now. How long until they make dash cams for humans? Maybe some sort of hat, button, or pin that you wear that simply records your day-to-day movements. I feel like that is when the real footage will start to come in. Thank you again, caller, for that unidentified flying submission. Now, before I dig into the second half of the show, I need to do a bit of house cleaning. The second half of the Great Outdoors Halloween special dropped last night on Patreon. So if that's something you don't want to miss, a $4 monthly pledge will get you covered. Simply visit patreon.com forward slash Monsters Among Us podcast or search Monsters Among Us podcast in the Patreon app. Really appreciate all the support. And speaking of websites, head on over to monstersamonguspodcast.com and pick up a t-shirt, hat, coffee mug, or coming soon, tote bags. I'll be putting that order in soon, so keep your eyes open for that product. Follow the show on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and two separate Facebook groups. There's the main page, and there's the private group. Highly recommend you join both. Don't forget to send in those hometown legends and first responder calls. The hotline number is 1-888-608-NIGHT. That's 1-888-608-6444 or you can visit the website for more submission options. And lastly, this is the final call on the bricks here in the studio. I'll be carving the remaining bricks late next week, so if I haven't received your artwork or custom message, by then you'll be up there in spirit only. Now the truth is the dust makes quite a mess, and I hate to clean, so I'd like to get this all done in one fell swoop. But before I move on, I just want to thank you guys one last time for making this new space this new, highly inspirational space available to me. I truly, truly, truly appreciate it. And now on that note, back to the circus, I mean show. This next story comes to us from the state of Alaska. This is Brooke's experience. Hi there, my name is Brooke and I'm from Girdwood, Alaska. Originally, I'm from Portland, Oregon, and I grew up very closely with um, my best friend I've known for, oh gosh, 27 years and I'm 33, so a long time. She had a sister, a younger sister and an older brother, and we were all very close in age and all very close. In 2009, I moved permanently up here to Alaska from Oregon. And I was living in a condo up here um, that had a very long hallway um, with the bedroom in the middle of the hallway to the left. You look out to the living room area to the right was the restroom. And one night my friend was calling me 
very, very early in the morning, probably 2, 3 a.m., and I had to work at 6 a.m., and I was quite annoyed. Um, and she kept calling over and over and over and over and over again. So finally, I just ignored her call and thought, you know what, now that I'm awake, I need to use the restroom, so I'm just going to get up and go use the restroom. And as I exited the bedroom, I just kind of glanced to my left down toward the living room, and it looked like a man standing there with his arms folded in front of him. And there was an entertainment center there, and he was blocking out the entertainment center. And he was just all black, almost just like a shadow. Um, It scared me so bad that I immediately backstepped into the bedroom, very embarrassingly wet myself because I was getting up to use the restroom. And I had woke my boyfriend up and I said, there's somebody in the house. There's somebody here. You need to get up and go look now. So he gets up and goes and checks the whole condo, you know, the living room. And it was a small condo, living room, one bedroom, one bathroom. Um, he comes back and he said, you know, there's there's nobody here. The doors are locked. The, there's nobody in the house. And I said, well, I saw somebody standing there. I swear it. So I kind of forgot about it the next morning and I called my friend back because she had called me so many times. So I called her back and uh, she's pretty hard to understand because she was crying so, so hard. And I said, what happened? And she just kept saying, um, I won't use the real name, but we will call him Roger who was her older brother, who we were very close with. Roger died last night. Roger died last night. And I said, what? And she said, yes, it was an accidental gunshot wound. He's gone. He's gone. He's gone. And so um, at this time, I didn't have any cable, and I was renting videos and buying DVDs and stuff like this um, from town, and I had bought this one um, it was a three, three DVD set um, from the History Channel, and one was, you know, the history of Halloween. One was the history of hauntings, and then I forget the other one. So, I about a week later, I was watching the DVD about the history of hauntings, and they talked about the different types of hauntings. That one was residual, which was like a record player. And it's just imprinted, and it's just the same actions. It's just energy that just repeats itself over and over again. Um, Another form was um, of intelligence, where it's uh, a being that hasn't moved on, and they are knowledgeable. They, you know, it's an intelligent haunting. Um, The third one um, was when somebody passes tragically they come to say goodbye and at excuse me at that moment I realized I said that was Roger and he was coming to say goodbye to me because it was she was calling me so much to tell me that he had passed and I ignored her call and I didn't find out to the next morning and I saw that man 
standing in the room and and I just I said, you know what? That was that was Roger coming to to say goodbye. It just has always resonated with me. I always kind of felt that um, that that's what it could have been. I've never seen a full-bodied apparition or a shadow person or um, anything quite like like that. It was a solid form, and it was it was a person standing there enough to make me wet myself. So. Um, but just the story gave me goosebumps. I love your podcast. Keep up the good work. I'll call back with a few more. All right. Have a great day. Thanks, Brooke. This sounds like an extension of the theory I discussed for Claudine's call earlier in the show. The recently deceased certainly seemed to have some sort of window. I've even heard stories of men at war in Europe appearing at their home in the States only to disappear moments later. Hours or even days pass, and the witness receives a telegram stating that that very soldier had perished in the war around the same time that he was witnessed. And as freaky as it is, it's somewhat comforting that there is at least some sort of activity beyond. I can tell you I've memorized far too many cryptid facts just to leave them in this body when I'm done. Thank you again, Brooke, for sharing. I know how difficult it is to share these types of stories, so thank you for your bravery. For our next submission of the evening, we head to the Lone Star State. The following experience was sent in by Demetrio. Hey Derek, my name is Demetrio and I'm from Stephenville, Texas. My friends and I encountered something that I don't think anyone has mentioned in your podcast. But my experience begins around 2015, I during the summer. Me and my friends were all around 15 to 16 years old, and we're uh, having a camp, I said in quotations, camp, sleepover in my backyard. It's basically setting up a tent in my backyard and sleeping in it for a night so that we wouldn't disturb my parents. It was pretty late at night, I want to say around 1.30 a.m. We were standing outside just talking, and one of my buddies out of nowhere says out loud, what the heck is that, like? freaked out like his voice was just freaked out and he turned around pointing at what i can describe as a white transparent winged thing i don't know what it was but it had long wings like a bird and uh you like the body of a human except its arms weren't like the mothman you know how he has just arms and his wings this thing had its arms were its wings we saw it and we're like what the heck is that and we saw it gliding just it was just transparent like you could see the stars behind it but you could also see that it was it was just white it was all white we all freaked out and we ran back inside the house and we were just trying to figure out what that was and about 20 minutes later we go back outside to see if we could see anything and we walked out all scared and just behind each other's backs we kind of laughed it off like man that was crazy but then we heard like clicking sounds and I'm gonna try to do my best to mimic what this sounded like but it was something like and we all just ran back inside the house freaked out and just scared and not knowing what to do or not knowing what it was but we ran back inside and we ended up sleeping inside and looking back at it now I believe it could have been a Latrusa and a Latrusa is a, is a witch that can shift into an owl Owls will make sounds like the the one I just described when they feel threatened. 
So I don't know, maybe it was a Latusa, maybe it was something else. I don't know what it was, but it was really scary and uh, intense. But um, I love the podcast. Keep up the amazing work. And thank you. Goodbye. Thank you, Demetrio. Now, I'm certainly not claiming that this is what Demetrio and his friends ran into that evening, but it sort of fits the bill. Is it possible that they simply saw a barn owl? A bird that is popular in the state of Texas. They're typically white and emit clicking sounds when frightened, and they surprisingly look human or even alien-like when they fully stand up. Here's a short clip of a barn owl clicking. This video comes courtesy of Vision Rock on YouTube. In addition, I've included a video in the show notes of a few barn owls standing at full attention. Just try to tell me they don't look like tiny aliens. Now, of course, with this legend that Demetrio brings up, that kicks the door wide open for other legends and theories. But I couldn't help but notice the correlation between the barn owl encounters I've had and what Demetrio described. So thanks again, Demetrio, for sharing your story. Seems like we've had a lot of owl action in the last couple weeks. Our next call of the evening toes the line of conspiracy theory. The following is Neil's call from the state of Pennsylvania. Hi, uh, my name is Neil, calling from or outside of Pittsburgh. I've listened to your podcast for the last couple of months, really enjoying it. I've uh, been listening to it a lot on road trips with my girlfriend. I want to congratulate you on your wedding. That's awesome. But uh, anyway, listen to the podcast and make me think a lot about stuff that I've seen. And I haven't seen anything really super spectacular. But my dad, when he was in the Navy, this would have been back in the 60s, he was stationed aboard two different ships. One was the USS Toei. The other one was the USS Recovery. And I've done a little digging this would have been around the 1960s. They were both apparently doing like a oceanographic, busy sonar mapping of the ocean floor. Now, um, my dad passed away this January, so I don't really have a way to, you know, climb for more information anymore. But that's also kind of why I was thinking about this. Apparently, he was out on the deck one night and smoked a cigarette like he did. And someone from the sonar room basically started screaming and was like, hey, come here, come here, look at this. So my dad goes in, and the guy's showing him the sonar image. And apparently there was something on the ocean floor that was shaped like a pyramid and was, according to my father, bigger than the Great Pyramid in Egypt. Now, uh, my dad wasn't too much for, you know, telling tall tales or anything, but he repeated the story to me, you know, several dozen times throughout the years and uh, never really changed a word of his story that I can remember. This would have been, he said, it was out in the Atlantic Ocean around the island of Bimini, which is supposedly where they think Atlantis may have been. I don't know. Just thought it was a cool story and wanted to share it with you guys. All right, thanks. Have a good day. Love your show. Bye. Thank you, Neil. This is not the first time I've heard about strange structures found on the ocean floor. In fact, just off the coast of Malibu here near Los Angeles, there's a rumored alien base about a mile under the water. It's claimed that you can even see the strange circular outline 
of the proposed structure. Coincidentally, there was a similar discovery made in the Baltic Sea, and many researchers believe that this is a crashed UFO. I'll link to both of these stories in tonight's show notes. You can have a look. But thanks again, Neil. I really love hearing about these types of stories. And that brings us to our final call of the evening. And I can promise this one will not let you down. The following is Chelsea's call from the state of Oregon. Hey Derek, my name is Chelsea and I've been a listener now for just a couple of months. My coworker turned me on to your show and encouraged me to share my story. The two of us absolutely love the show and it really makes for a breezy work day. So thank you for that. I love the show because I can really relate to the stories that I've heard and it helps. It's definitely helped me make sense of my own encounters. So grateful for your podcast. So my story takes place in Santa Fe, New Mexico. I live in Oregon now, but I grew up in New Mexico and spent the first bit of my adult life there. And it's definitely where my heart is. There's an abundance of history there, which makes for a ton of creepy ghost stories. And, of course, a lot of alien activity is known to take place down there, or definitely known for the alien activity. Uh, Roswell, especially. My hometown really isn't close to Roswell. It's about a three-hour drive north from Roswell. But nonetheless, we still get a lot of suspicious activity, and I, I feel like I'm no stranger to suspicious encounters. So before I get to the gritty part of my story, I feel like I need to give you a bit more background. Um, so I grew up on a beautiful piece of land, which is located right outside of Santa Fe. And uh, if anyone is listening from there, I'm talking about the big gap between um, Santa Fe and El Dorado. Um, there's a ton of uh, ranches out there, um, lots of open land, um, cow pastures. It's just a beautiful piece of, piece of land. And uh, growing up, we had horses, and I was constantly taking off and riding just as far as I could possibly go, uh, not only in the daytime, but in the nighttime as well. I became pretty good at sneaking out of my parents' house, carrying the bridle on my horse, and just adventuring out into the night. I, I had a lot of sleepwalking problems. Well, I still have a lot of sleepwalking problems, but as a kid, I would sleepwalk pretty much every single night. And one of the things that I would do to occupy my nights is to just grab the horse and go. And we would ride out, I mean, for miles and miles and miles. And I think a part of me was looking for something creepy to happen. <laughs> you know, I was a big um, ghost hunter when I was a child. And I think I wanted something creepy to happen. My imagination was beyond wild. So uh, that being said, fast forward a bit. Uh, when I was about 17, I um, was still sneaking out of my house, but this time I was sneaking out to meet my boyfriend at the time. We'll just call him Jake. And Jake would come pick me up every now and then. He would pick me up at our mailboxes. And our mailboxes were located about a half a mile away from my parents' house. And I would make the long walk to the mailboxes at night to go meet him. I was never afraid of walking by myself. I never had an icky feeling. Um, I was always pretty brave. And 
the New Mexico night sky can either be super bright or super dark, but I always had a peaceful walk, and I did this walk countless times. This particular night, I waited for Jake to come pick me up by the mailboxes, and I was hanging out there for about 15 minutes. He picks me up. This particular night, he was in his truck. More often, he would pick me up on his motorcycle, but today was the truck, which meant we weren't going for a drive around the city. We were just going to stay in the truck and we would go down to the railroad tracks which was just another maybe half a mile away from my parents house we would just sit on the tracks and we would talk this particular night we got into an argument and it was a pretty bad one I mean both of us were pretty angry with each other and I think that must have been towards the end of our relationship but um we decided to go our separate ways and go home it was nice enough to drive me back but I just had all of a sudden, just a really eerie, I just felt icky in my stomach. The vibe was off. You know, I just didn't want to be in the vehicle anymore. It was just bad. I almost felt like I was in danger. But it was a long walk back home. And so I graciously accepted the ride back. So we start driving back. So we start driving uh, back to my parents' house. And as we're driving um, up the road, the the lights of his truck finally hit the, the mailboxes. And so there's there's sort of some relief there. I just, I was ready to be home. And so seeing the mailboxes was, was a good sign. But then as we're getting closer, I'm noticing these two eyes. And it, they looked like the eyes of maybe a coyote or a deer. It was very often that we would see animals like that around the property. I mean, every single day we would see at least one coyote. And when you shine a light on their eyes, they glow. I think they, I think the correct term is tapetum lucidum or something, something like that. But, you know, the glowing eyes. So I thought it was just a big animal. But as we get closer, Jake was driving really fast. He was angry. He was driving fast. We're coming up on this, what I thought, animal very, very quickly. And um, <laughs> as we're getting closer, I'm noticing it's not an animal at all. It actually had the shape of what looked to be a man, a pretty big man. And so in my, in my teenage mind, I thought, oh, my gosh, it's my parents. <laughs> I thought that the fear that I had in my mind of my parents coming out looking for me had glowing eyes and the rage was, was, was enormous and I was going to be, that was the end of my, <laughs> my time seeing Jake. But um, that idea quickly escaped my mind as, as the lights now were shining over this entire body. And it looked like the best way I can describe this shape was that of Gollum from Lord of the Rings. It was crouched down like Gollum. It had the, the yellowy skin like Gollum. It even had the big eyes and the big head like Gollum. I can't, I'm, I'm having a hard time explaining it. I've always had a hard time explaining it because it wasn't human and it wasn't not human. And, and even, even the idea of somebody playing a prank crossed my mind. But as we're getting closer, Jake starts slowing down because this thing is crouched down right where the mailboxes are, where I had stood many, many times by myself in the middle of the night waiting for Jake to come get me or even just walking down by myself, taking a stroll in the middle of the night. And to me, I almost felt a weird connection with this thing. Like it knew I was there a lot and it was looking for me. It was just a very odd feeling that it was just so happened to be placed right here next to these mailboxes. 
And in order to get onto the driveway to go down the road to my parents' house, we had to drive by this thing. And as we're getting closer, we're having to drive right next to it. We were about, oh gosh, four or five feet away. And as we're turning into it, uh, we're turning into the dirt road and it's next to Jake's side of the window. And I look up at Jake and his eyes are huge. He's looking right at it. And he's, there was almost a tear in his eyes because we were both so scared. Not only were we confused, but this thing was, his head was following us. It was watching us as we're turning. He slows down and this thing slowly stands up. And I'm trying to say, do you see that? And I'm pointing and words are completely beyond me. I can't make out even just an easy sentence. Do you see that? I just said, and I couldn't get the words out. And all Jake said, he nodded vigorously and said, I see it. And he spun off. And it was the scariest moment because it it almost felt like you were, like I was sitting in a movie and this thing was just going to jump on the car and that would be, that would be the end of us. But I just remember it, it watching us, it followed us with its head and it slowly stood up and it was, it was a pretty decent size. It was clear as day. I could probably draw a picture of it because it's still clear in my head. This is over 10 years later and I still see it. Um, so we went, we, we finally got to my parents' house and um, <laughs> this is how scared we were. Uh, Jake had driven us all the way up to the very front of my parents' driveway where they could have easily busted us, but neither one of us wanted to be left alone and walk. And um, I didn't even want to get out of the car to take the 10 steps into my parents' house because both of us were just completely shaken and we were left confused. We almost had a feeling of a demonic presence with us. I mean, it it really was the, the fear that I had in my soul was far scarier than even the sight of this thing. Whatever it was, I could definitely feel um, personally for me, there was just an evil just an evil, evil presence around us. We saw it, and it saw us, and it knew that we saw it. And and I don't know if oh, if that just makes it so much worse for us, or maybe it's better. But um, I definitely know that since that night, I have wondered and thought about it, and done research on it. I've done all. I mean, I've thought about it every single day. And I can't seem to come to a conclusion on exactly what I think it is. But I definitely think it's some, I think it was some kind of a demonic presence. I've told this story to a handful of people. And it, some people think I might have encountered some kind of an alien. Other people, usually spiritual people, think that I had an encounter with a demon. So <laughs> when I went into my house that night, I was left very confused and I stayed up the rest of the night. I pe- kept peeking out my window. My window overlooked miles and miles and miles of nothing but land. And um, I just could feel it in the vicinity of my parents' house, somewhere close. It was out there. To this day, I, you know, like I said, it's been over 10 years and I still look over my shoulder. If I'm walking around at night, if I'm riding the horse, in the woods, I'm looking around trying to see if it's still following me. I've often even thought about reaching out to that old boyfriend just to see if we can come up with some kind of an explanation together because 
I've never really had a, a good talk about it with anybody else, and it's left me quite puzzled. So anyways, thank you for letting me share my story, and um, I appreciate what you're doing with this podcast. I think it's great. Um, I love listening to all the stories. You have yourself a good day. Thank you, Chelsea. Here we go again with these white humanoids. We seem to have one of these stories pop up once a month or so. But what the hell are they? I find it strange that these entities do not seem to have a proper name. They're mostly referred to as simply white humanoids. But perhaps it's time that we give them a proper moniker. If anyone has any good suggestions, toss them up on social media. I'll pick one that I like and do my best to make it stick. Now I know what you might be thinking as you're listening to this story. I would love to see one of these things. Well, what if I told you that you could? Visit the show notes for tonight's episode to see two examples of these creatures. One video was taken in Ohio and the other in the state of Georgia. But I can say I've heard reports come out of nearly every state in the Union. So Chelsea, this much I do know. I have no clue what these things are. I have no idea where they come from. And surprisingly, I don't even know what to call them. But the only thing that I can say is a matter of fact with this strange phenomenon is that Chelsea, you're not the only one to see them. Thank you again for sharing that submission. And I look forward to hearing the suggestions for the name of this strange, terrifying creature. And that's going to do it for this episode. Monsters Among Us is written and produced by me, Derek Hayes. Additional support is provided by Warren Ponabbitt, Andy Lloyd, and Tony Bell. All audio used in this production is done so under the protection of fair use. And that music you're hearing? That's Coag music. Thank you all for listening, and until next week. time this week, but I'm going to read a story anyway. The following comes to us from Emily in the state of Michigan. My name is Emily. I recently found your podcast and I love it. I've been binge listening all week at work. I have a lot of things that have happened to me in my lifetime, but I wanted to start with sending in my chupacabra story. I live in Michigan, on the northeast side of Grand Rapids. So about two years ago, I was driving home with my mother-in-law from visiting my husband, as he was incarcerated at the time, and it was really late at night, probably 10 or 11 p.m. We were getting close to home, driving on a road I had known and driven my entire life. 
All of a sudden, a very strange creature came out of the woods and walked very slowly across the road. It was much bigger than a dog and had no fur at all. It was very, very thin, as if it was anorexic. However, this looked like no other animal I had ever seen in my life. It was terrifying. And both of us witnessed this. It stopped in front of the car and looked at us and kept walking in a very unnatural way. Its face was very long and had bulging eyes. It also had no tail at all. It was also, from what we could see, a gray or white color. We were both completely stumped and shocked. Then about six months ago, I was selling something to a friend off Facebook and we met outside my door at my house. It was 10 or so and dark out. That's when that creature came back and charged us from the wooded part of the road I live on. It ran so fast. I have never been so afraid of getting eaten or attacked in my life. I ran in the house and he ran to his car. When the coast seemed clear, I went back to ask the guy if he knew what the hell we just saw. He said, I have no idea but I am not sticking around to find out. He got into his car as fast as he could, and he left. The strange part about this is that the time the creature was literally growling and making noises, like he had rabies or was literally going to kill us. It was the same creature we saw a year or so prior with my mother-in-law. Now fast forward months later, we heard that other people have been sighting this creature as well. And people in the area are claiming it's a chupacabra. Thank you, Derek. Great job with the podcast. Well, thank you, Emily. What this actually sounds like to me is possibly a black bear with mange. Now, a majority of the chupacabra specimens that people have managed to collect or kill return as normal canines with some sort of ailment, disfigurement, often attributed to mange, which is a type of parasite that causes serious itching and irritation so much so that the animal chews off all of its fur and sometimes into its skin. The condition leaves the animal emaciated, causing it to behave strangely and even attack people. So if this was in fact a bear with mange, perhaps it hadn't eaten in quite a while and it saw two people standing in the yard in the dark and it simply thought, dinner. Now if you Google search black bear with mange, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. These things are nightmarish. Thank you again, Emily, for sharing that story. And please keep your eyes open and your finger on the camera shutter. I would love to see a picture of this thing. Thank you again, Emily. And thank you guys for sticking around to the end of the show. Have a great night.